Coming up on this episode of Super Pessis Roundup Podcast, we're joined by special guest and former Lucari, Pertu Hautala. We also talk about the latest games in Super Pessis, along with who is performing well, who is performing not so well, and we share our thoughts on who our players of the month are. That's all coming up on this episode of the Super Pessis Roundup Podcast. And welcome to the July 2020 episode of the Super Pesis Roundup podcast. Uh, joining me is my uh, co-host, Mikko Pirhonen. Uh, Mikko, how are you doing? I'm good. All good. All, all systems go. And my other co-host uh, with me today is my friend from across the pond. It's uh, Ron Bronson. Ron, how are you doing? Doing good. Good to be back on the show. Excellent. And also with me is a very special guest indeed, um, former Lucari and now a bit of an expert himself uh, in the field of uh, pitching, blogger and podcaster, it's uh, Pertu Hautala. Uh, Pertu, how are you? I'm fine, thanks. Uh, it's it's nice to be here after summer vacation and now, now I have been back in work and it's nice to be here. Excellent. Well, we've just talked a little bit about your expertise, your your experience. You've had a number of years um, in Superpesis uh, as a pitcher. Um, a lot of people who don't know the sport. Um, what is the role of the pitcher in Pesapalo? Uh, I would compare a pitcher to a setter in volleyball or a quarterback in football. Uh, it's at best very dominating player. And there's a saying that the good pitcher is the half of the outfield team. And when the player is negotiating the contract to a team, his two first questions are, first, who is the game manager? And second, who is the pitcher? And what kind of things should fans be looking out for when they're watching a game to tell the difference between a good performance and a bad one? Mm, the first thing I watch is how the pitcher dares to play what kind of courage he has in his playing and does he have a courage to pitch tactical balls or high pitches when there is a runner on third base and I would say a good pitcher is not afraid of walks and he, he has a lots of courage in his playing. And you mentioned tactical um, balls there, Miko, could you, could you explain a little bit more about that? Well, yeah, uh, the use of the ball in in all like interpretations of the word in Pesapalo is is a key element to the pitcher, because uh, just like Berto said that a good pitcher is is not afraid to use all kinds of pitches they have in their locker because you can you need to challenge the opposing team all the time and. Uh, 
the tactical ball is one of the key weapons that the pitcher has in Pesapallo. But it's a... Uh, okay, it would take a while to go through the whole concept of the how to use the tactical ball, when to use that. But it's a... Uh, it's playing against the game manager of the opposing team. It's like it's the it's the same game all over again that you have three strikes and you get to basically when there's a run out in base you can use the ball on purpose once or accidentally however. But then the next batter comes up and the same game starts from scratch and in baseball, it's always the pitcher against the batter. And you have a lot more uh, of the balls and stuff like that. And it's a different concept. But in, in Pesapalo, you always play against the uh, other game manager, not the batter as such. And uh, Perto, in, in terms of the skills, what kind of skills do you think it takes to be a great pitcher? I would say the two most important things are courage to play and a tactical skill to sense what the game manager of batting team is thinking. And after that comes the skill to control the tempo and uh, a good drawing arm and the ability to attack after bunch or short hits are a good bonus as well. But like I said, I always watch courage to play. And second one is the tactical skill sense, what the game manager of batting team is thinking. And obviously, you've had quite a um, a long and um, positive career in Pespalo. Uh, have you seen any changes in the game uh, during that time and the role of the pitcher over the years? Uh, maybe 10 or 15 years ago, the physical abilities were dominating in pitching. And it was enough that the pitcher had a good drawing arm and the ability to attack after bunts and short hits. But nowadays the runners are faster and it's harder to put out them from the second and third base. So the skill to play when the bases are loaded is more important. And Jan Heimanen was a good example of change of the pitching. He didn't have a good drawing arm, but he was very smart and could pitch different kind of pitches to make difficulties to the batting team. I would I would agree with that a hundred percent, and uh, <clears throat> especially I think that this season, also maybe last season, but okay now after the break, when when I watch the games, I'm I'm actually quite happy to see the younger pitchers the way they play i mean there's been there's been lots of new upcoming pitchers this season that we have now seen properly uh, some have played full seasons before some have come to the like come to the fore right now but uh but the, the courage to play it's like for me as the game manager it's still just like perto said that when i watch a game that's one of the first things that I actually recognize in a game. That what kind of moves does the pitcher make? And what would I think if I would be the opposing game manager? And would this pitcher be hard to handle? And I, I actually like watching the kind of games that we have seen over the past couple of weeks. 
where we see like young guys doing the kind of stuff that makes me like raise my eyebrows that okay that 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 was difficult i mean i i would have been screwed if i if i was the game manager and it's like yeah i mean i'm, I'm happy to see that sticking with uh that that thought miko um pertu um have you seen any of the younger pitchers this year that's really caught your eye? Uh, for example, Manses Petterialani has been very, very good one, and Seti uh, Suraka played well yesterday against Siljärvi. Uh, Aapo Komolainen made his debut in, in Superpesis, and okay, I, I, I would say these ones. Would you agree with that, Miko? Is there anybody else you'd want to add to that list? Well, I would say that one player that I have been waiting to develop to a top level also in adult leagues is Jesse Eskelinen from Kite. He's a young guy, he's 23 now, but he's also he's already had quite a few years in Superpesis and has had uh, like injuries more than his fair share. But now that he's been able to practice and play on a good level, he's one of the he's one of the key elements that enable Kite to play on a level that they play. He's I don't think he's even the best version of himself yet, but he's uh, he's been it's been good to see him on this level again. We need that in this game. And back to you, Pertu. Um, what is the importance of a pitcher being able to control the tempo of the game? You mentioned tempo a moment ago. Yeah, well, you know, nothing happens in the game if pitcher doesn't pitch, and the pitcher dictates the tempo of the game, and and a good pitcher knows whether to pitch or throw at the right moment. I, I would say like that about about controlling the tempo. You know, nothing happens. Nothing happens if pitcher doesn't pitch. And Miko, from a, a managing, a game management perspective, uh, and the pitcher is is really controlling the tempo. How frustrating can that be? Well, basically, if you let the pitcher to dictate the tempo, uh, as you, okay, in a certain way, you have to because the defending team in Pesapalo is the one who controls the tempo. It's like. We have to remember that, but but still, if you give that feeling of control to the to the opposing pitcher, it's not only frustrating; it it's also destroying your whole game plan, basically. So, uh, for example, uh, earlier today, uh, one good example of the learning experiences that young pitchers need to go through. Uh, there was a game between Mansepepe and Imatra. And uh, like like Berto mentioned, Petteri Alanen of Manse has been, he's been great. He's, he just get, came through the back door because of an injury and he's played with his strengths. He's been really good, really clever. But for example, today, uh, he in, in one of the key moments of the game, uh, he had one of the most experienced and one of the best mindsets of the game, Sami Paratanen, on the other side of the plate. And he tried to push the tempo. He tried to push, the, like, 
they made an out of a bunt that Bartanen hit. And he tried to like put more tempo and put them in a rush. But you don't you don't get to do that against uh, a, like a player of that caliber. And as a result, he pitched too early. The outfield was not ready. And Baratanen just made an easy drag punt. And after that, it was, and they had a runner on third base. So you need to like recognize the moment when you need to push the gas and when you need to uh, like put your foot on the brake. So we've talked about some of the youngsters coming through, some really interesting new pitchers. Um, what about the more experienced pitchers? Which pitchers overall do you think have had a good performance so far this year? Uh, I would say right now Janne Kivipelto is the best pitcher in super bases. Uh, also Topi Kosonen, Juha Puhtimäki, Ville Valio have played well. Uh, Joona Lehtinen has de- developed a lot. Uh, Jani Lassila controls the tempo better than before. Uh, Pertruska learns every day more and more. But I would say Janne Kivipelto is now, is now the best pitcher in Super Pesis. And yourself, Miko? Any observations there? Well, first of all, I I agree with uh, with Kivipelto. I, I think... Uh, He's he's a pitcher who developed over the years uh, and has become, I think, the most complete pitcher. Uh, like if we put together all the tactical side and the mental side and the skill side and the physique and such, I think as a complete package, uh, he's like as a pitcher, he's he's the top performer in the league right now. But still, he's. He's a different kind of pitcher, for example, compared to the uh, pitcher of the season, like last year, Puhtimäki. So it's comparing them, it's a, it's a tough job, but I, uh, I I like the way Kivi Belta plays, and he plays on a high level uh, every game. I think that'll wrap up our first part for the podcast uh, at the moment. Um, please come back after the break and we'll be talking about the season how it's unfolded so far the standings performance rankings and our picks for players of the month Okay, uh, welcome back. Um, before the break, we were talking about the roles of the Lucari, but now we're going to talk a little bit more about the season itself. So finally, 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 the season has started. And uh, as of today, we're about 10 games in for most teams. So we've got a real flavour. We're almost halfway, actually, through the regular season. Um in terms of the table itself, um, Miko, is there any surprises for you? Um, who's been really good? Who, who, who's really surprised you in that regard? Well, I think that you have to mention Kite. It's like uh, they, they are the team that 
we were supposed to see them developing and their young core of the team developing, but still it's been surprised to surprising to see how incredibly like resistant they are to anything. Like it's no matter what happens in a game, they find their way back in the games. And it's like they, they have already developed the the kind of a reputation as a team that's super hard to beat that they will stick in the game no matter what and it's it's been the main positive thing uh for me to see well it's it's really interesting to see how um people have reacted to Kite because i ran a twitter poll just before the beginning of the season because uh, Kite and uh, Imatra they fought out for that last playoff spot last year and it was Kite that just got that spot on the final day of the regular season. So I asked the question, who do you think will make it into the postseason this year? Kite, IPV, both of them or neither of them? And overwhelmingly, everybody was saying IPV. Not a lot of people thought that Kite would do it. But I put another poll out a couple of days ago saying, well, Kite is sitting fourth. Where do you think they're going to finish now? And again, overwhelmingly, people have said one option, but they didn't say that they weren't going to make it into postseason. They actually thought they would make it into the top eight now. So a lot of that perception seems to have changed. Uh, Ron, would you agree? Yeah, I would definitely agree. Um, you know, I didn't I didn't necessarily have high hopes for them. They weren't really on my radar, to be honest, at the beginning of the season, but it's been fun to see... We all we said this in our first, in our second podcast. We talked about this. We said that this season was going to be really, really, really a, a crapshoot, and you know it's going to be a coin toss. You're going to expect the unexpected. You know we expect every year it's kind of been the same four teams that's sort of been in, in, in the sort of when the dust settles. And this year it's been really cool to see not only you know kids even some of the bottom teams. You know like Mansa Pepe, like okay they're not they're not doing great right this second, but like. They've been in some games, and so I think in any given day this season, because it's been so weird with the short with the short season and and COVID and everything else, um, everybody's a lot closer than normal. I think obviously you know Sakamoto's always at the top, but I think once you get to you know three all the way down, it's really anybody's guess. Um, it's how the season's going to end. So I've enjoyed it um, as a fan. Uh, how about you, Pertu? Is there any surprises that you've seen this season? Well, I would agree. Agree with Miko. Uh, the Kitei has been the biggest surprise, positive surprise, and the biggest negative surprise for me has been Hyvinkään Tahko. They have had difficulties with the second and third uh, batter. And uh, Miko, I know you you wrote quite extensively about um, the plight of Hyvinkään um, at the moment, as they sit in the table. They're actually second from bottom. Um, that's not where this team really should be, is it? No, it's nowhere near. And uh, because they're they're like, if we compare uh, to Kite, for example, shortly, uh, the core of the team is basically this. There's a lot of similarities in those two teams, but Hubinka is like two or three years further in their process. So they should be like they they were in my point of view from my point of view they were expected to f- challenge to top four or top five teams uh, th- th- to be there and to actually challenge 
to play for some kind of silverware to get home from for the season and uh, it's at at the moment it's unfortunately for me it looks like that the the problems the root of their problems is actually pretty deep it's not just one player performing badly or something like that it's like um there's something missing from there and uh I, I hope they find it. I know that they can play explosive game and they their stadium is legendary for allowing like the ball to run free and there's uh, there's huge potential in the team, but they just cannot get anything going their way at the moment. They are uh, close to like as in results they they might be close to getting something. From the games, but uh, the the most concerning thing about that team is that even if they are five or six runs ahead of the other team, they they still will find a way to let that other team come back to the game. Uh, for example, against Kite, they they started the game by batting ten runs in their in the first like in the first inning, and they lost the game. And that's that's a prime example of the start of the season for them. Well, it's been really interesting to see that unfold. Ron, is there anything else that you've picked up? Any negatives or some negative shocks that you've seen in the table so far? Um, well, you know, as the resident Vimpoli guy, uh, <laughs> resident Vimpoli guy who's ten thousand miles from Vimpoli, um, I'll say that I, it's, there's been there's been some um, there's been some. Uh, a little bit, a little bit of discomfort in, in you know, in Veto land this year. People have gotten spoiled, you know. This is a team that got relegated years ago. And, you know, but then we had this 10 years of joy and awesomeness. And so folks got really used to like, oh, we're supposed to win every year. Every year is supposed to get a gold or a silver. This is Vimpoli. We are accustomed to this. They forgot that for, from 1965 to 2010, we didn't have anything, you know. And so... Uh, people are a little bit upset right now, but I, I've been really, you know, I feel like that that young team, you know, they're, they're top eight still. Um, they've been in every game they've played this year. I know Pertu Ruska being pitcher is a little bit difficult, a little bit different, and so it's an adjustment for him. But, I mean, you know, watching that, obviously, like I said, I think they're a team I can speak the most about. I've been impressed by them by and large because even games they've lost, they've been they've been in, you know. They don't seem to really get down on themselves too much. Um and I know they make a lot of a lot of rookie mistakes, and I mean Miko could probably talk about has forgotten more about the mistakes they've made than I know. You know, I watch things, and I mean, it's still kind of you know, I'm still a I'm still an intermediate uh, watcher of this, but but I've definitely been able to see things that they're doing, and I'm like, oh, why are we doing that? Um, you know, base running mistakes. That's really the biggest thing I've noticed. They don't seem they don't seem to have really good uh, sk- skills there. But nonetheless, that's probably the thing that surprised me the most, um, other than seeing some new faces at the top of the table and players too, you know, there's some guys we haven't seen before that have really stepped up this year and it's been fun to see that. And I know we'll get into that later though. Well, one of the things I do on the blog is uh, performance rankings. And uh, what I look at there is I, I calculate how I think teams have performed based on the teams that they've taken points against. And in the first week, um, there was quite a few shocks. You know, we had uh, Kite winning and we had Campelli beating Sotkamo. And 
they both made it towards the top of my performance leagues for, for the first time ever. <laughs> so it was it was quite interesting to see. Um, Campelli's gone a bit off the boil in terms of points and results, but they they still seem like a team that can score runs. Um, they lost again today against Solcamo, but in the second Yaxa, the second period, they they were in it and they ended up tying it and denying Sotkamo that third point. Um, Mika, what what do you think about Campelli this season? Well, I think, shortly put, they have been the most entertaining team to watch in in the league. I mean, they're they are capable of uh, producing home runs no matter if they're the batting team or the outfield team. I mean, they can. They can win or lose any single match at any given moment. For uh, by the way, they I think that they have the best uh, uh, their own production of the games that we see nowadays. It's like there's two guys in the booth, and uh, one is telling you what's going on in the game, and he's also a former Super Precis player. And then they have as a commentator. Uh, in the box, they have a former game manager from Superbasis level, uh, Juha Tiranda. And they they form a really good team. I think the best one that they have uh, for the Finnish uh, viewers at the moment. But uh, in terms of the team, it's an explosive package. I mean, they have a lot of batting power, but uh, it's like they're either they win the game by a landslide or they lose it by a landslide it's like it seems that there's no in between i would say that the most positive thing so far this season has been that no team has been left behind it was close we were i think we were close to seeing that after five or six games we had kosken korva without a single point and uh, fortunately they got a three game winning streak and got back because this season, when there's no fear of relegation, there's a definite fear that some teams would offload their star players if they would lose the chance to get to the playoffs. So the longer we can keep all the teams close to the eighth place in the table, the better for the game. Absolutely. And when I look at my performance rankings, um, because they didn't take any points in the first two weeks... Uh, they were rock bottom. They were the only team that that was scoring zero in my table. But all of a sudden, like you say, they they've started to get some points on the board. They've they've broken the back of that pointless uh, season so far, and they've actually been close to winning or, or winning games since then. Um, Pertu, in terms of performance. One of the other things my table showed was, um, well, something a lot of people have been commentating about, which is uh, Johansson Myler. They didn't play so well at the beginning of the season, but they seem to be coming on stride now. Uh, what do you make of their season so far? About Johansson Myler, they have a new coach, they have a new game manager, and it, it takes time to to make ready to play and. In my papers, Johansson Myla is still the favorite team to, to win the Super position. And uh, Mikko, I, I believe you managed to catch um, at least one of the uh, the Yonsu games uh, recently. What what did you make of them there live in the flesh? Well, 
I think Berto said it well that uh, it's for them when I when I watch their game it's uh, it's a really interesting thing to see the process evolve and stuff like that but it's I, all of the time I just get the feeling that it's like the yeah, and you know the phrase the jury is still out there it's like they, they, they you cannot be judged yet by the the results and stuff like that so uh, but but it's um, it's the most professional organization of the game right now and when you go into one of their home games it's like the experience is it's it's really good i mean it's really good value for the money it's it's something that uh coming from uh Johansu, where i am actually right now at the moment uh it's it's amazing to see that the kids walk around wearing Johansu Myla stuff and they're they're going to the games and it's like it's like it's a thing in on social media to go to a Johansu Myla game which was never ever going to be happening in like for like 5 or 10 years ago uh, it would have been just impossible to even imagine a stadium like that on and so on but uh, but yeah, it's like uh, we'll see at the end of the season. But they have shown that their basic level throughout the whole organization, uh, it 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 stands. I mean, it's it can take comparison from anyone uh, in this game and in many other sports too. Anywhere in Finland, and. Ron, one of today's games was uh, Vimpelli welcoming home Sami Hapokoski, um, who's now with uh, Patio in Orheliat. Um It was a win for, for Vimpelli, but a close one. Um, how We've already talked a little bit about uh, your views on how Vimpelli are doing this season, but um, what do you think about uh, Patio and how, how, are you, how do you think they're stacking up? Honestly, I haven't spent a ton of time watching them this season. I mean, shout out to Sammy, of course. But, uh, like, honestly, I've been sort of mostly between watching a lot of Wimpley games and watching a lot of women's games, actually. But today's game was interesting because there were a lot of nerves, a lot of emotions. I knew there'd be a lot of emotions. And what I was hoping and I'm thinking is, you know, it's a veteran team you're playing against. And so I was wondering if if the Wimpley boys would get a little bit like, you know, you you see your idol on the other side of the field. Like, all those kids came up watching, you know, watching them, you know, win, bring titles home to a city that hadn't gotten them. So, um, and so a person knows this. So, so like, so to see, to see that, I thought they'd get a little bit nervous. Um, and that first game, I think they were a little bit like deer in the headlights, but they, but they picked it up and took two points home. And so I thought it was a, I thought it, like I said, speaks to what I said earlier. They've been able to, to grind all season long and, and those bats, when they get going, you know, they do a pretty good job. So I, I thought it was, a, I thought it was a good showing by both teams um, and I mean, I think honestly, as far as um, Pat, Pat, you today, uh, their season, I'm thinking that honestly, I re- you really never want to count out a team with, um, I don't care how old he is, you never want to count out a team with Sam Habakoski at second base. You just don't want to do that. So, you know, what if they get in the playoffs, good luck because I'm not, I'm not, ca- you know, nothing would make that guy's career better than ending, ending the season with, with another ring and, you know, another gold medal and calling it good. So, you know, I'm not counting them out at all. I mean, I don't want that, but it'd be fun to see see them uh, go far this season. 
Sure. Well, in terms of the table, they're the only team in the top eight who hasn't taken three points in a win. And when you look at the games individually or even all put together, you see there are moments in them where where they just haven't been able to push that extra mile and, and really put the game to bed. Uh, and that goes for some of the big teams that they've played, but also some of the teams you'd expect at the lower end of the table. So it, a, a little bit of a worry, but quite right, Ron, as you say, they're not a team that you would really want to pick to, to face in the playoffs because they've got so much experience there. Um, I've already started a Twitter poll and already at the moment, um, of the teams that are currently fifth to eighth, they're the team nobody wants to face. <laughs> so I think that speaks volumes. So we're going to go round now and ask each of you for players of the month. Um, so this is where we each pick a player and we uh, we discuss who we think has, has really stood out this month. Um, I'm going to start with my guest, Apertu. Um, who's your player of the month? Uh I would pick Patrick Walston. Uh, I would say he's right now the MVP of the series. And he's right now the most dangerous batter of the series. Also, Yusuf Mullinim has played well. Will yeah. has been a very important jogger player. Costa Kurika has been a good signing for Sotkamo. But I would say Patrick Walston. Well, it's interesting. Um, Patrick Walston, he leads the the league in terms of runs batted in um and yet he plays in a team that up until recently hasn't had any wins he's really been carrying Koskan Korva I think and he really stands out as a really key player uh, for them I think the problems with Koskan Korva lie elsewhere other than him because I think he's he's really carrying them at the moment um Mikko, do you agree with that? Uh, absolutely. He, he is, he's the one thing that actually keeps them grinding out some results from some games. And, uh, I mean, occasionally y- you still see stuff in Persepolis games that no matter how much, how many games you watch, every now and then you see something that makes you like really raise your eyebrows and See that did he really do that? And one of the one of the moments of the season so far was in a, a event game uh, against Mansepepe, where he didn't actually try to hit the ball uh, to the uh, to the third base side to where it actually landed. He tried to hit it between two players, but he ended up hitting it so hard that the outfield player who has like. When you when you stand there, you you recognize that you really don't have the time to react that you would think from the TV angle. But but it was a ridiculous shot. I mean, it was a ridiculous strike that he just took the ball out of the park. And nobody was there. Was, the outfield player was just he was running straight to the woods and to pick out the ball. And it was four four runs to the board, and then we go on. And if you can do that. Uh, then it's it feels like you're like you can do anything, and that's the confidence level that he's playing at right now. For sure, I mean the game you're talking about, he got a Kunio Yukso and six 
other runs batted in, so he was seven uh, out of nine possible uh, third base situations there. Um, and you know the numbers like that. You go through his stats for each of the games, and it's pretty consistent as well. So um, yeah, Pertu, I think you're absolutely spot on. Um, Patrick Walston is is one of the key players I think this month. Ron, uh, who's your pick for this month? I gotta say, Walston's a bad man. That dude, that dude is a scary dude. I just, yeah, I mean, watching him this season's been really, really fun and um, been frightening. Uh, just, just what he can do with the bat. Um, it's a different level of skill. I'm gonna say, I'm gonna go a little left field here and represent for the women a little bit. Uh, Verdi Hulka had a um, had a monster two weeks. Uh, a monster week last week, which hit like four home runs at like 12 RBI, scored 13 runs, hit like 970. Um, like she was a monster last week. I mean, like she just had a homing beacon and it wasn't just like, I mean, things she was hitting, the ball she was hitting were just like really, really impressive. So um, that's my player for sure um, for Monta Pepe on the women's side. Um, just, a, just a monster season, a monster week on, and a really, on a really good month on a team that's, you know, um, She's like basically carrying at this point, but yeah. Yeah, I mean, it, it, just a word about that. Um, just a couple of days ago, I was I was talking with some of my friends who are connected with the women's super pesos and the teams affiliated with that, uh, and we were just basically talking about the fact that since the men's season started, all the media attention come turned completely away from the women's game which was it had like a sort of say a shopping window for two weeks or so on so before the men's season began but after that over the last three weeks or so you don't you don't even see their results in any sports news or anything it's like they're, they're completely vanished from anyone else than the people who would follow Pesapalo anyway, but uh, but yeah, I would. Uh, I think the funny thing about Virpehuka uh, when you see the game is, it's for me it's it's fun to see that he her like competitiveness the level of that is ridiculous. He, she has said multiple times that. Uh, she enjoys nothing in the game as much as running, like running from one base to another. And now that they're having weeks like that, where where you win, uh, you win each period by uh, ten runs or so, uh, you actually need to make your game plan so that you don't tire her out, because she will do that all day long if you let her like play like that. But you need to you need to outthink. Uh, that uh, as your own game manager and it's it's a fun thing to do to see somebody has a competitive streak like that but she yeah she's an amazing player and uh, like for uh, the most valuable player in, in women's super purposes in my books for sure so Miko uh, who's your pick for the month I will actually go with Yuzo Mullunemi because watching him play today was once again uh, proof that now he is back to the level that he was a couple of seasons ago he has he's he has had his injury problems and uh, at one point it was like he he lost his confidence at bat 
But when he has the full confidence uh, that he can bring to the team, it's amazing. I mean, he's a he's always been a guy who's not afraid to show the emotions on the field, and his playing is like it's just an extension of his personality. That he's like a bullfighter of such that he's he like he plays with such braveness and like boldness and he dares to do stuff when he has the confidence and now he's the key player in the team and uh, his performances have been top-notch and uh, I think that if we would take a look at the most valuable players for their teams uh, he would come straight after whilst in in my books now. Well confidence is uh, is a big thing for the bat and ball sports that that I know, um, baseball, Pasapalo and, and cricket, um, in my experience, it, it's such a significant factor. And to see Meluniemi, um, really coming to the plate with that confidence again it, is fantastic. He currently leads the league in terms of successful hits at moving the point runner, um, and he's actually sixth in terms of runs scored as well. So he, he's been. A, a perfect player as far as I'm concerned at getting people moving around the bases including himself and, and setting up for people like Yuhani Amy uh, one of the big stars of course that went to to Mansa um, and, and we've seen some success from them um, Pertu what do you make of Melanie Amy? Uh, it's very nice to see him back in business the last year was not so good uh he lost his confidence and had had some injuries but he hits very fast he runs very fast he throws very fast he's very very like a dominating player when when he's at his, at his best so I'm, I'm very happy to see him back in business well my pick my player for the month um, I've gone for somebody completely different. Um, and it's uh, Yoni Rutkinen of Sotkamo. Um, he currently leads the, uh, he leads the league in terms of runs scored. Um, he's got a 71.26 percentage in terms of successfully uh, moving the point runner. He has the third most successful number of hits at 62. But it's his three, Kunio uh, Yorkso, his home runs that I've seen this season that that really stood out for me. He's got such a, a good control of the bat. He's picked exactly the right spots down the foul lines. And then the speed at which he's gone round those bases, he's almost caught up with the runner in front of him. It's it, it, it's remarkable. I think he's he's doing a really good job with Sulcamo. And um, yeah, I, I think anybody who faces him, you know, you've, you've got to worry when he comes to the plate. Uh, Mika, what do you think about that? Yeah, he's an he's an artist. I mean, at bat he's an artist, and even that, as his skill set would be enough to take him close to being a top player in the, in the league and in the game. But when you put together that skill set and that physique, I mean, that pure power that I said before we started uh, recording that he's like a cannonball. He's he's exploding like every every time. And still he has the skill set combined to that. So uh, 
last year uh, before the uh, before the final series uh, of uh, Joensuu versus Sotkamo, uh, I did an interview where I said that if Sotkamo wins the title, he he is the player of the year, and there's like there's even no discussion about that. And I will say it again this year that if they if he stays healthy and if Sotkamo wins the title, he he will be the player of the, of the year. And uh, that's my prediction. And Ron, one of those Kunio uh, Yukso, the home runs, came against one of the Vimpelli matches. Um, I don't know if you caught that game, but uh, what have you made of Yoni uh, Rutkin in this season? I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> no, uh, he's. I, I like Miko's words. He's an artist. I don't have anything to add, really. I think you all say it really well. He's, he's definitely he's a craftsman up there at the bat. And um and and you know a bullfighter on the on the field and and it's been really fun to to like I said for me to explore different guys this season across the different teams. And uh, Pertu, what's your take on Yoni Rickman this month? He's magnificent player. Uh, previously, he was a pitcher, and it has been good good change for him play play other role in in the outfield and. He's playing very well when batting. Well, we're going to take another short uh, break now, and then we come up, we'll uh, go through the news. Okay, so uh, welcome back. Um Going through the news, some of the top stories. Um, opening day gave us some really uh, interesting results. Both uh, Su and Vimpelli lost their openers. But the biggest shock for me was Sotkamo's loss to Campelli in the opener. Um, we've talked a little bit about uh, some of the performances. Um, but we've seen some players reach some milestones too. Um, Sami Hapakoski... He's an absolute legend, and he's reached 1,000 runs uh, in his career now. Um, Ron, what what do you make of uh, of Sammy? You don't have a podcast long enough for me to talk about Sammy, so um, <laughs> I won't I won't I won't belabor it. But I'll just say that I mean everyone you can't you can't really you can't talk about Paces in the last decade without talking about uh, Sammy Hapakoski, but. You know, the funny thing about that record, for context for people listening to this who are, you know, new to Pacers and, you know, especially baseball fans, I did some research just looking at, like, how does a thousand runs scored, like, compare to, say, like, a baseball record? You know, obviously in Pacers, we don't play as many games as baseball, obviously. But, like, his per season, over, like, you know, 30 games a season average of a thousand runs would put him basically at the same average as a major league player's run scoring, like, if you were playing 162 games of baseball. So just give you context for like how productive he is as a player. It's not just in paces. Like the guy is like, and so and when you consider his record compared to like the second guy being three hundred plus runs behind him all time, just lets you know how bonkers the number is. But also, um, yeah, like the number stands up across the board. Like he's a, just the guy is, you know, he's a baseball player, and it, it's really fun to fun that he's still going, he's still productive. Um, it's still so yeah, that's what I think of that. Yeah, I would uh, just, uh, I, I think that 
Perto knows him obviously better as a player and as a like he has he has played with him and knows knows the guy. But uh, he's a complete gentleman and he's always been like he's the kind of player I've always loved to have in the game. And just as an anecdote, that uh, when I was a coach for Johansson Myla and we went to Wimpeli to to have a game against them, it was. I think it was six years ago, and our game manager Janne Vorinen was the previous record holder, and uh, Hapakoski broke the record, uh, broke his record in that game, and like like Ron said, that that record was something like six hundred and eighty or something like that, and when we went, I, I remember that because uh, when we went to Wimpeli, uh, Janne Vorinen said on the bus on the way that. Uh, that so many people said that his record would never be broken. That it's like it's that it's a ridiculous record that nobody's ever going to break it. And now this guy's running. This guy's going to like man. It's like it's unbelievable. Well, like Ron says, uh, Sammy's still going. Um, in the Compelli game that he he broke that record, it was one of the featured games for the blog. Um, he he was an absolute monster uh, on the field. He was he was not only scoring runs himself, but he was he was batting runners home as well. Um, Pertu, of course, you you've played with and, and know Sammy uh, well. Um, what do you think of the milestone that he's reached? One thousand runs. I would say that is the record that will never be broken anymore. It's amazing. And it's like three or four hundred more than Janne Vorinen. And we also saw um, another milestone being reached um, this month, and that was uh, Ropa Korhonen of uh, Sotkamo reaching 1,500 combines runs and RBI. Um, very much the other side of the coin when it comes to Sami Hapakoski. The two of them on opposite teams during the great Vimpeli and Sotkamo rivalry of the past decade or so um Mika, what's your take on on Ropa's success well throughout my career in Pesapal uh, it's been I, I wouldn't say that he's he's been the arch nemesis or anything like that but he's always been like we're, we're the same age so we've been playing against each other since we were kids and uh, they, oh, okay they were always the better team <laughs> compared, compared to us but uh, I think that he's the single player that I will still have on my team to bat if we need to score one run and we go to the extra innings and he has one skill that never ceases to amaze me that uh, he has that mindset to handle each time he goes to to bat uh, without thinking too much what has what has happened before. Okay, he can take some positives if if he's in a, if he has a good confidence, he he will bring that to the plate. But we always say that he he strikes with an like clear mind with an empty head. It doesn't matter if he has had uh, six previous attempts that were uh, unsuccessful. It, it doesn't matter at all. It doesn't affect his uh, level of the danger he brings to the plate. 
when he steps up the next time. And uh, that ability has been with him throughout his career. And that makes him, for me, the most dangerous batter that I have uh, been against in Persepolis field. And uh, Ron, what what do you make of his achievement? Um, I think, like, well, I won't have a whole lot more to add other than to say that I think that, you know, a record like that just shows how complete a guy is. And to be complete and to do that over a period of time, you know, over a long period of time, to be that productive offensively and not to do it on a bad team, to do it on a team that's, you know, the, the you know, the greatest dynasty in, in super, you know, Pace Apollo. So to, so to do that with that, to create a record like that, playing on a team like that where the stakes are that high says so much about, about it, about his talent and about, you know, I mean, you know, he's a legend. So, so yeah, I, I was impressed by the stat. Um, it was not a stat that I was super aware of, to be honest. Um, you know, we're not great at we're not great at putting the records everywhere. So unless you just want to spend a lot of time on Wikipedia, you don't always know these things. So I was actually really excited to to know about that. But um, I guess it'll be interesting to see how much longer he goes and, and how much more productive he can be. Well, he's certainly uh, routinely uh, putting runs on the board for Sotcomo uh, this year. Um, Pertu, what's your take on on this milestone being broken? Well. <laughs> You have to hit lots of runs. You have to run a lot. 1,500. I think I had like 200 or 300 and I played for 10 years. So (laughs) it's it's a bit more than I had. (laughs) And one of the the other pieces of of news that have come out is the uh, Hutton Kaito, the... uh, the bat, the tussle between the the two captains as to who has the right to choose who bats and who fields first. Um, at the beginning of the season, we started with a coin toss, and and that was to to make sure the health and safety and and there was no risk of spreading the virus. Um, I wrote a piece on the Hutton Kaito because, of course, it it's it's a unique quality to Pesapalo. And for somebody who's grown up with coin tosses at cricket matches, um, you know, it can be pretty tedious just just watching two people go out onto the field, uh, toss a coin with the umpire and then come back and say we're batting or not. But the the, the Hutton Kaito was always um, a bit of a spectacle for me. Um, and I'm, I'm glad it's back. I, I put a, a post out um, and, a, and a Twitter poll out and a lot of people were up in the air as to whether they would want to keep the coin toss, just get on with it, get on and play the game. That's what we're here to see. Uh, but actually, when we were left with the coin toss and now we've got it back, a lot of people are saying, we're glad it's back. It's it's a wonderful part of the game. So um, I guess it's one of those, you don't know what you've got till it's gone kind of moments. Um, Ron, obviously, uh, in baseball, the... Uh, the visiting team uh, bats first, um, so there's there's no coin toss, there's no nothing. Um, so as a as an outsider, much like I am, what do you make of the Hutton Kaito and the fact that it's now back? Um, so I'll be honest, when I first, you know, I've been in the paces for a long time now, but but I'll admit that it was what well, was one of the things that I never understood the big deal out of it. It kind of annoyed me, to be honest. It was like, what's the big deal? Why don't you just let like why why are we doing this? Children do this. Why are we doing this? Um, but I think this year seeing it taken away and then what really did it for me was 
seeing Pace's Twitter kind of go crazy when it came back. Like seeing people's responses and like people talking about the energy and they got from seeing that, okay, the game has begun now, we're ready. Seeing that really was illuminating for me as a, you know, as a, as a newcomer to Paces because it, I just didn't have that context before. Like I said, I just, I knew what it was. I explained to my friends what it is, but until this year being taken away, it really helps. I'm actually kind of glad that happened because not COVID, but I'm glad that it, the, went the coin toss and that he brought it back happened because it gave me a chance to, to really see from, from, you know, from people who grew up with the game, how important it was. And now I, now I'm, I'm converted. I'm like, nope, let's keep it. It stays. So so there you go. Excellent. Well, I, in my post, I started making comparisons to a, a literal tussle between the two captains and a, um, comparisons with uh, charges with knights singling themselves out in lines of combat. But I think I probably went a bit too far there in that post. But um, it's good to see it back from my perspective. It's Finland. They probably just hockey fight or something. If we could figure something out, it wouldn't be too hard to figure something else out if we needed to. <laughs> uh, Mika, what do you think? Yeah, uh, just like Ron, I've inverted uh, to throughout the last couple of weeks or so because I what I realized is that okay, uh, I I watch the I watch basically I watch all the games uh, either live or then the highlights or to some situations from the games from tactical points of view and so on. And I I realized that I'm I'm way too deep in the game to actually recognize the importance of Hutuketo. Because when when they didn't have it in in the big in the beginning, I just before the season I, I said on Twitter, I think too, that I think that they should just make it go away completely and let the home team choose. It it and you would just start the game. But uh, then I re- remembered, for example, that when I lived in Helsinki and we tried to take Pesapalla to the like the most densely populated areas in Finland, uh, when you go, for example, if you go to a public school, and that's all we have, basically, uh, if you go to a school where they still play uh, uh, Pesapalla in the PE classes and so... When the kids start to play, that's one of the symbols that even the even the kids that have no affiliation to the game whatsoever, they they know basically three things: hutunkeito, pitching, and batting the ball, and those are the three things that kids will also remember. And so it's like, why why would we take such a symbol away? Because it takes nothing away from the game. It's like. It's more of a symbol that, for example, people who come uh, to see a game in Tampere right now, it's an exciting thing to see a Superpesis game. And it's a good symbol to have in the beginning. So I completely inverted and <laughs> raised my hand and said that was completely 100% wrong. Well, in terms of slightly sadder news, um, Yari Turmanen of, uh, of uh, Patioin has... Uh, suffered an injury to his toe and he's actually now out for the season. Um, for me, that's that's a significant issue for for Patu's uh, offence. He was uh, he was putting up some good numbers at the beginning of the season. Um, Ron, I don't know if you've uh, you've been catching much of the uh, of the Patu games, but uh, what do you make of that injury? 
I'm going to flip it because I don't have much to say. I don't know much about it, but I'm going to, it's actually a question for Bird too. Cause I'm curious, like, cause actually I, so Jeanette Lapista was out for, uh, for Virkia and came back. And what I'm curious, I mean, you played a long time for her too. Like, like if you were, if you were ever out, say you were injured or you took a break, like something happened, like what, what was your approach to like getting back in the game? Like, okay, I've been out for a month cause I was hurt. Like, what's it like to come back from that that break for a player? Well, I would say that I didn't put lots of goals, just simple goals. Uh, one game, you know, one hit, one throw, not not too much, not too much, just simple simple things. I would say like that. And uh, yourself, Miko. What, what do you think about uh, Yari Turmanen's injury? Well, as much as they have in terms of, of experience in the team, uh, I would say that this is still the area where they will be hurt because uh, he he's not just dangerous at bat, but he also provides all kinds of, like, for me, he's one of the backbones of the team. And he has enabled the other uh, hard hitter that they have as a choker, Yuso Keskikokari, to develop, to become to, like the top dog uh, in time. And uh, he's still a pretty young guy, uh, 23 or so. So now he's, an, he's a grown man and he can take the responsibility. But now he doesn't have like that... That other guy uh, alongside him that provides all the uh, assurance and the experience and tactical like things that they are different kinds of batters and you can choose wh- how to use them and now now that he's away from the game it's it it takes the burden more to Keskikokkari and also to to other guys in the team it doesn't take away their chances of winning things uh, because just like Ron said that it's a team that uh, if you have to hit a run at any point of the game and if you have Harpakoski in the team he can do that too he, I mean it's like any situation he can solve that it's no problem in a single game but if we take uh, with the perspective of the whole season for me right now that team doesn't look so dangerous i mean they they were surprisingly soft uh when i took took a look at the highlights of today's game in bimbali i think that we have to remember that dermanen was also a couple of years he was a game manager in the team before he made a comeback as a player and and so he has an unbelievable tactical mindset in the game, and that's invaluable when the like when the stakes are high. But that's part of sports, and life goes on. Well, I certainly wish him well, and I'm sure we all do, and hope that he'll recover soon and come back and and play again. Um, the final piece of, of news I wanted to talk about is uh, is about Vimpelli. Actually, it's they've launched their new game day media platform so they've started to do more multi-camera stuff more um 
interesting interviews and pieces during the break, the talko. Um, so it, it's it's been a really interesting thing to see more media content, and it's actually been great for um, international people to connect with the team from such a distance. I know they mentioned uh, when they launched this platform that um, it would make people have as close to a game day experience as possible. Well, for an overseas viewer, that's fantastic. And uh, I'm really pleased to see it. Um, Ron, uh, did you catch the uh, the <laughs> the broadcast? Because that was the uh, Tampere uh, game. Of course. Yeah, of course. Um, yeah, I think it's great. As somebody who came up watching Pace Apollo on uh on grainy day couple day old videos that i could find on youtube or eventually it was vimeo but there was no sound there was no commentary that was my that was my i spent four or five years that way there were no one was on twitter um there was no hashtag paces like this was my life for a long time and so these days are so fun for me and so this was another step in that direction um obviously we'd love to be at sarkenda all the time but that's not possible so i think it's great that they, they were able to invest in this. And I think across the league, the teams are doing a better job of investing in, in social media and video. And I mean, it's, the league has come so far, the teams have come so far in, in this stuff over the years that I've seen. And so I've really enjoyed it. I engage with everybody on so everybody's social media. And I don't care, just my teams. like Because I want everyone to know that the, the fans definitely appreciate it. It's good for the game. I mean, Pace Apollo is it's great in the country, but it's a game that we want to continue to grow. And this is the way to do that. And so... I've really, I think it's just a step in the right direction for the sport, and hopefully other teams are able to invest in similar ways and and to you know do that because I think it only it's only good for good for paces across the board. And just like Ron said, that uh, this expanding the game overseas, it's it's a process that needs professional approach from the teams, and it's a good thing that we have this kind of a, a positive competition. Uh, like right now, the teams are finding new ways, new platforms to give the people, like you said, that the game day experience, but uh, different kinds of experiences. And some of the teams, when they started doing professional level stuff, like Sotkamo was, I think, the first one. And Joensu has followed. And uh, we're talking about five five years ago, yeah. When uh, when Jonsson Myler hired a professional full time social media or media content creator, uh, when I was within their ranks, and people in Jonsson said that that's just 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 a lot of nonsense that you're spending that amount of money on something like that, and now they're they're sincerely they have been apologizing for their words <laughs> throughout the last couple of years because. It has really paid paid off, not just in terms of two titles won, but the, like the whole professionalist image that you give for, from the organization. So that's uh, that's definitely the direction that we need to take as a sport uh, if if we ever want anybody to watch it abroad. I mean, there's there's not a lot of uh, <laughs> like uh, how would I say. Uh, quote mark there's not a lot of lunatics like Ron that would find the videos on Vimeo uh, all, all across the world like, uh, this is the way to go well uh, 
Ron and I obviously share that that common past, so we can we can swap those stories sometime. But uh, um, I want to uh, thank my special guest for today, Aperto Hautala. Thank you very much for joining us on the podcast. It's been a real privilege and a pleasure to have you here. So thank you very much for taking the time, uh, as late as it is where you are, um, to, to spend it with us. So thank you. Thank you. And of course, I want to thank my co-hosts who've joined me, um, Mikkel Pirhonen. Yeah, thank you. Once again, it was a privilege. Once again, thank you, Ron, for joining us as well. Always a pleasure. And Pertu, great to have you on the show. Miko, thanks as always. And if you want to know more, uh, you can follow the blog. That's uh, superpesisroundup.blogspot.com. Or you can follow me on Twitter. That's at superpesisr. If you've enjoyed the podcast, please leave us a review, like or subscribe. And from me, Ian Alba, goodbye. If you've got something that's hidden for